When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Slate's Working Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every payment method with one simple integration. Plus, we'll give you your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash working. And by The Message, a new podcast series from GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'll be following a team of elite cryptographers as they decode a highly classified radio transmission. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. The Message on iTunes. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Laura Anderson, a writer and editor for Slate. I've covered a lot of beats, including food, culture, and sex, but soon I'll be launching a new column about workplace and management issues, and that made me want to learn more about other people's jobs. On today's episode, we talk with someone whose job is all about helping people say goodbye. What's your name, and what do you do? My name is James D'Onofrio, and I'm a New York State licensed funeral director. Can you walk me through what a typical day is like for you? Not one day is ever the same. Generally, we can do nothing all day, just sit around and, and in 10 minutes be so busy, we don't know where to, where to even begin to start to run. It's not a 9 to 5 day. It's a 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock in the morning day. And someone can call you at any time, day or night. What happens when someone calls you, usually? How does that conversation go? Well, whatever you're doing, you need to stop doing, they need 100% of your attention because they have someone who they love to passed away. And they need, maybe they need some questions and answers. Maybe they just need some advice. So you never know what they actually need. 
I have to imagine that the people who call you are like in over their head. They don't really know what they're doing because most people don't have to deal with too many loved ones dying that frequently, hopefully. So how do you sort of walk them through the process of everything that they need to know in order to have a funeral and decide what to do with the remains of their loved one? The first thing we need to know is need to know what they are actually interested in doing. Is it a burial? Is it a cremation? Is it a directly graveside services they're reviewing are we going to church are we not going to church are we bringing a priest a minister what religion it's a series of questions that sometimes people think we're asking that we shouldn't be asking but we need to know what to do is the body in a hospital is it in a house is it at a hospice is it in the medical exam these are all questions we need that we have to ask people, and sometimes they think we are invading their privacy. So no matter where the body is, let's say it's in the hospital, what happens next? You, It has to be delivered to your funeral home? Well, if someone's in a hospital, we now we're computer, New York City, that certificate's computer generated, we check online if the certificate is signed. We then generally go right to the hospital within an hour, hour and a half and bring the person back here and wait for just some further direction from the family. What kind of form does that direction take? Is it about embalming or deciding whether to get cremated? It's all those things. Is the body to be embalmed? Is it a cremation with a viewing? Are the people against embalming? Is it a regular standard funeral with a viewing in a church? Is it a green funeral? There's a million questions and a million different scenarios that are all accompanied in a standard funeral. How long does it take to prepare a body for a funeral? Tricky question. There's a lot of variables. How sick are they? What type of medicines they were on? Did they have an autopsy? Generally four to six hours. Are you personally involved in embalming or preparing a body, or do you have someone on staff who specializes in that? Everyone here does all aspects of the funeral industry. They direct funerals, they make arrangements, they embalm bodies, whether it be me, Gus, Luz. And are they all as experienced as you are, or are some of them more junior? Just Luz, my, the girl who works for me, she's here about six or seven years. She's been with me since she's a resident. She's very experienced. Her specialty is we send her to the consulates to file papers when we have to go overseas in whatever country. And she does some embalming, and Gus is just as experienced, and Mike, they're all experienced. So you mentioned going to consulates to file paperwork. That means if you are, you have to send a body or send remains overseas. Is that what that means? Yeah, I do a lot of overseas funerals where someone dies here. They go to Bangladesh or they go to the Republic of Kazakhstan or Russia or England or Switzerland. We do all those types of funerals here. What is that process like? Are there a lot of regulations about how you ship remains overseas? Everybody that ships overseas has their consulate or their country has a consulate. They have different regulations. Most of the regulations in New York are not communicable disease, a burial permit, and bombers affidavit. And then we get into the specifics. Some countries require an apostille that the death certificate is certified by the Department of State. 
Some require just a city debt certificate. Some have a fee. In New York, we we go into the consulate. If the consulate is in Washington, we have to FedEx them the papers. They sign them, send them back. We make arrangements with the airport, and we make arrangements with the family on the other side. And if there's escorts, we have to tell everyone who's flying with the body so when they get to the other side, they can take their loved one home. Some countries do not have funeral homes. So basically, the family receives the body at the airport and takes the body home with them. That sounds like a very complicated and expensive process. How much does that cost? I'm sure it depends from country to country. On an average, the airfare can be anywhere from 1500 to $5,000. It goes by pounds per kilo, I mean uh, dollars per kilo. And depending upon how many trips to the consulate, if they require a zinc box, if they require a bio seal, everyone requires something different. There's some new stuff out on the market for a hermetically sealed box, which is years ago was a soldered zinc line box. Now we have a thing called BioSeal. It takes the place of that. It's a level five containment. It's good for Ebola patients. And most governments accept it. This episode of Working is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Then why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. Add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, we'll support that too. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, visit braintreepayments.com working. What are the kinds of services that you provide that you think are surprising to people? who aren't aware of the kinds of services that funeral directors provide? Services that we provide, well, we pick up the decedent from wherever, we prepare them, whether it be embalming, whatever they need, we place them in the casket. We provide the religious service, whatever religion they are. There are some casket requirements that certain religions have, other religions don't. What are some of those requirements uh, from religion to religion? Well, Hindus, they cremate, but some Hindus open the casket at the crematory, stop five times. Jewish people, wood casket, burial in the ground, no vault. Non-sectarian people, you could have a metal casket, a steel vault, a concrete vault to protect the casket in the grave. Green funerals have a wicker basket or a wood casket with natural glue and pegs, no plastic, no metal, no no steel, nothing, no hinges, no interior. You know, you have to figure out, sometimes they're a little mixed, so you have to integrate them. We had a Hindu service last week, half the family was Hindu, half the family was Christian, it was very difficult for them all to come to an agreement. A lot of times we have to make people agree because they just can't all agree on how this funeral should go. I have to imagine that your relationship with 
dead bodies is different for most people because I imagine that you spend a lot of time around corpses. Do you feel any discomfort about that or are you just really used to it now? I don't feel any discomfort, but we have to treat all these people the same as you would want to be treated because we're going to be one of them. And you have to realize we bury our friends, our family, and you really have to treat them all You should treat everyone the way you want to get treated. When you are treating a body of someone who you knew, does that help you find closure in accepting their death, or is it kind of impersonal? It's extremely difficult. My cousin got killed Christmas Eve. So sorry. It's been a while, and I had to take care of it, and her boyfriend fell asleep and hit a tree, and she died, and... You know, you still have to do your job. It's your family. You know, they came to you because you know what to do. So you have to do your job and then grieve at some point after the funeral. You have to be perfect till that funeral is over. And in that instance, in one year, I buried her, her father, her aunt, and two other members of her same family in 13 months. So it was, you know, you have to be on point. Even when you're not personally connected to the person whose funeral you're arranging, you are dealing with a lot of people who are in shock and in mourning. So how do you prevent their feelings of grief from affecting you? Or do, do their feelings affect you? Their feelings definitely affect us. I have a really good staff here. They're not, you know, cold and whatever. They'll stop what they're doing. And we have to also make them feel comfortable. And it's not over when the funeral's over. There's questions people, someone just called five minutes ago. They wanted the cause of death of a death certificate. That was corrected. It ain't, it's not corrected yet. They don't know what the cause is. They're waiting months for the medical examiner to correct it. There's a lot of different stuff. There's stones, as you can see, that I just had a phone call about stones and You have to know basically every religion to do this job. Do you just learn on the job in terms of learning those religions? Or do you do reading? Are there resources for funeral directors to help you understand those different traditions? There's resources to help you. There's books. But on-the-job training is the only way you're going to learn. Because no priest, no minister, no rabbi does it the same way. You're going to church and two days in a row and the priest says, I want them on the right. And the next day, a new priest is going to say, I want them on the left. And who wants you to say eulogy? Who don't allow you to say eulogy? It's a lot of on-the-job training. It's just a lot of asking questions. I guess also you can't make too many assumptions or you can't assume that you've seen it all because you'll probably see something new. I never say I've seen it all. I had someone who had two wives. At the same time. Yeah. I actually had two people who had two wives. One died in 9-11. He had two wives. And another one I don't remember. And, you know, who do you listen to? Did they know about each other? No. To us, it was just a little bit of a shock. But they had agree on what type of funeral. One wanted to bury the person. One wanted to cremate the person. That seems like a particularly dramatic example of why some people pre-plan their funerals. Uh, is that something that's common? Do you recommend that people pre-plan their funerals? Yes. Pre-planning a funeral is the best way for 
you to tell someone what you want. And even if you pre-plan, your next of kin can change it. It's not etched in stone. So, but pre-planning and pre-paying, the money's put in an escrow account. It's always there. It gains better interest than you get in the bank. We get 3% interest. So pre-planning is one way for you to make sure you get what you want. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s. Have you listened to it yet? Not yet. Uh, We're having a discussion about that. But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now, Um, sounds like a no. Well, we don't really know what it is. Voices, music, breathing. But you know, I'm not going to mess with that thing. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. Subscribe to The Message on iTunes. I have to imagine that people must get a sort of itemized list of the things that they're paying for when they're paying for a loved one's funeral. What kinds of items on that list surprise people? We put basic funeral stuff, maybe photo prayer cards, prayer cards, a program. A monument goes on a separate contract that can't be on a contract with a funeral according to New York state law, so that's a whole separate issue. Some people put doves. They release doves at the church, at the cemetery, the same as in a wedding. Do you actually handle getting the doves? Yeah, Yes, we do. Where do you get the doves from? There's two people in Staten Island, and they're really not doves. They're white homing pigeons, but they look very nice. Do you think people have misconceptions about funeral directors? Misconceptions. Everyone thinks that the funeral industry that we're all making millions and millions of dollars. The truth is, I don't know anyone who you can call 24 hours a day or you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning except the cops, the firemen, the ambulance, the funeral home and dominoes are the only people that you can call that'll come to your house at 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't even know dominoes delivered that late. I think they do. Dominoes down the block delivers to 2 o'clock. So what's your outlet if you are on call 24 hours a day and if you are obviously dealing with very emotional situations often for your job? How do you prevent the stress from taking over your life? I don't know. It's a stressful job. But like right now, we're doing nothing. You know, it's very slow this week. So we have a lot of downtime. Most funeral directors, you know, we have probably the highest rate of divorce in the country. I can't tell you how many parties have been ruined or I have left, and I'm not alone. You could pick any funeral director, doesn't matter where, what part of the state where they had to leave, walk out, take care of someone. I mean, I was in St. Martin and a friend of mine's son passed away and they text me, you know, they, they knew I was away, they text me. I had to stop what I was doing, go up to the room, take care of what I had to do. I mean, I was coming back the next day, but you know, These are just things that you're just accustomed to. When you have free time, you take advantage of it. When you're busy, nobody hears from you. Your friends don't hear from you. If you have free time, you know, we're around. But if you're busy, 
no one will hear from you. Everyone's accustomed to that. My kids, my girlfriend, everyone's just accustomed to that life. Was there a moment when you decided, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. This is what I want to do with my life. Or do you feel like you just kind of started doing something and then kept doing it and suddenly you had a business? I was pretty fortunate. I didn't actually work for a funeral home most of the early, early years. I worked for what was called a trade funeral home, where we did work for other funeral homes. So you got paid per diem for what you did. So it gives you a lot of free time. And in 1988, I bought this place. It was very, very dilapidated, and it was in terrible, terrible shape. And I've been here since 1988. What changes have you seen in the neighborhood since 1988? And have those changes in the neighborhood affected the kinds of people who come into your office asking for help? This neighborhood went from a strictly Irish and Spanish neighborhood. And now it's becoming gentrified again. So the people that are here are moving out or passing away. And the young people here, you can see, walk on Cotelli Road, you can see baby carriages galore. And in the same token, the funeral industry changed where people ain't looking in the yellow pages anymore. They have an iPhone or an Android, and they're finding you social media. And people travel more. Where years ago, you went to the funeral home down the block, around the corner, There's fewer funeral homes. There's fewer deaths, but there's fewer funeral homes. How would you like to be honored and buried or cremated when you die? I was just put on the board of directors of Regina Pachas Church. They put niches in the basement, cremation niches. I think I want to be cremated and buried there and earned in a niche. I don't want to give my kids the burden of have to visit a cemetery. You know, years ago when I started, I don't care if you were Christian, Jewish, you went to the cemetery on a Saturday or Sunday. It was full. You can drive through Greenwood 60 miles an hour on the weekend. You won't see a soul. So people are not, you know, visiting. People are more spread out. Their families are in New York, in Florida, California, who's in Washington. So it's a very, very diverse group of people and that's why cremation which was at five percent is now at plus 40 percent because there's no stone if they move to a new area mom and dad are home with them they can just put them in the suitcase put them on the plane and go there's no added expense and if they are in a niche in a cemetery you don't need a court order you need nothing you just go there pay for them to open it up and they can give you the remains Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. You can email us at working at slate.com and dig through our first four seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by Jason DeLeon. Our senior producer is Mike Buolo and our executive producer is Andy Bowers. I'm Laura Anderson. See you next time on Working.